0: men can count on. Contact Cordell, Cordell 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. Quick, come on. They just came on now. Let's try to get closer to the stage. Sorry. Excuse me. (laughs) Do you want to go on my shoulders? What? Sorry.
1: Do you want to go on my shoulders?
0: Yeah, that'd be unreal. Thanks.
1: 3 celebrates connections made by music this summer. Find out more at forward slash music. You are now listening to The Bird Writes on Nothing But Net Network here on Dash Radio. If you like what you're hearing, go to iTunes and search The Bird Writes to subscribe to every episode. <laughs>
0: men can count on contact cordell Cordell.com. 1065 east hillsdale boulevard suite 310 foster city california 94404 calls podcast you are joining me that's me i'm travis tate i'm here with my good buddy trevor ritchie we together we come together as one it's been too long trevor and we are finally back together we are the big picture <laughs> boys we're here to talk about the pelicans we are thankful for You listening to us, dear listener, Um, we've got a lot to talk about. The team has played a number of uh, very interesting games recently. Uh, We just lost to the Washington Wizards last night. Um, I don't have the score in front of me, Trevor. I'm already relying on you, but we lost to them after we got off to a really slow start in the first quarter. 116 to 106. 116-106, We made a big comeback in the second quarter and eventually tied the game in the third quarter and then sort of let the game kind of fall away from us. Uh, The rest of the way, there was a lot of garbage time in about the last six or seven or eight minutes. Trevor, you've already uh, chimed in there. How you been doing? How do you think the Pelicans are doing? How excited are you for uh, Rajon Rondo uh, all-star appearance? I'm not that excited, surprisingly, uh, for a Rondo all-star appearance.
1: This is not 2008, but as far as the Washington game goes and the Pelicans as a whole, as we sit right now, I'm still fairly optimistic. I mean, there's not many times that you're going to face, I'm going to say, a top three team in the East turn the ball over five times in the first quarter and, and have a chance to come back. And, and that chance quickly slipped back away. But like I said, five first quarter quarter turnovers shot 25% from three. It's the first time in a while the Pelicans have slipped back into how they played at the start of the season with, I mean, Rondo had to come out. He turned the ball over a few times. He had stretches out of the game. Uh, Drew holiday wasn't playing up to par kind of reverted to that old Pelicans feel more was only around. I think he had 12 points when he's had a career high and just about everything this month. Uh, the, the ball was forced to Davis and cousins almost exclusively. And, and that almost worked powering to the free throw line is the, the reason the Pelicans had a chance to come back into the game. The Pelicans allowed of an out of body experience to Washington forward, Mike Scott, who hit on his career Uh, a whopping 7.3 points per game, three rebounds per game, and the Pelicans let him score 24 points on 73% shooting and four rebounds with a plus-minus of 14. Um, That doesn't happen often. It shouldn't have happened, but I'm not too low after that loss. If you look at the last 10 games, there's wins against Portland, Denver, Philadelphia, and Milwaukee. The losses to the Jazz, probably a playoff team. And if they're not, they're definitely better coached than the Pelicans are in my opinion. I'm very high on Quinn Snyder. Then you have the Warriors, the Kings, that was a slip away game. The Warriors game was a slip away game. The Rockets was a slip away game. And then the loss of Denver was a slip away. So so four was that one, two, three, four of the one, two, three, four, five, six, four of the six losses, we just let slip away. So it's it's still, it's at the point where we can't say it's early in the season, even though I was about to say it, but the team isn't that far off from
0: where they need to be, and I think they know that. I'm with you in a lot of ways, um, in that even our losses, I think recently we've played well. I wouldn't say that we did in the Wizards game, I thought it was a little ugly, kind of on both sides, because at least in those losses, you know, specifically to Houston and Denver, uh, we really had the offense flowing, and we've got one of the best offenses in the league since Rondo uh, came back from injury on November 13th. Now, the defense is another issue. Um, They don't have the numbers. They, you know, it's basically what's causing us to lose those games because, like I mentioned, I mean, you know, I remember where I was watching that Houston game. It was like, uh, you know, a sort of out of body experience watching Cousins and Moore and Drew and ad Well, AD didn't even play, but uh, all those guys knocked down just shot after shot. It was it was a pretty incredible uh, game to watch. Um, and that game is still sticking in my mind, even you know more than a week later. But um, that game did end in a loss. We've got one of the lower-rated defensive, uh, you know, defensive ratings in the league since Rondo's return. What do you see in terms of this defense uh, when you watch him play? Because what I see is, if you just watch any one random possession, I, I watched a a, a possession uh, multiple times yesterday from the Wizards' loss, and what I saw was on a pretty simple pick and pop that involved a Mike Scott made jumpers just like a kind of a long two. Um basically nobody from the Pelicans ever really made contact with him. You know, it was easy for him to get to the spots where he wanted to get. Um, is that just as simple as it is just guys need to get in the face of their, of the guy that they're guarding better, or are we looking at something more problematic in terms of, in terms of uh, what Gentry is telling them, or do we have the wrong, players that can't play defense what what do you see i don't think it's the
1: wrong players and i don't think the coaches are saying the wrong things i mean i'm not there i don't know what they're saying but at a certain point where i feel it, it comes to effort and you shouldn't have to beg your players to play defense you shouldn't have to beg your players to run the floor and that's something that has caused the the pelicans trouble on defense is if you look at their, you mentioned defensive rating. Well, if you look at their defensive rating in transition after missed shots, their rating is 129.2, which is the worst rating in the league. If you look at the percentage of Pelicans' defensive possessions after missed shots that turn into transition points, that is 31.6% of the Pelicans' defensive possessions after missed shots result in transition points for the other team. And that's simply because they don't run the floor. And,. Uh, Almost the only thing you can attribute that to is laziness. So so that's what I
0: see there, Travis. Is that a boogie problem? Because I know he uh, catches a lot of flack both on Twitter and even when you sort of watch the game, he's kind of one of those guys who maybe when he doesn't get a call or he turns it over or something bad happens on offense, you can it's easy to notice him flailing his arms, you know, staring down the ref or barking at, you know, one of his uh one of his teammates or doing something else and not um, sprinting back to get back on defense. Is, is, is it just Boogie? or are we t- I mean, it's got to be more than just him, right? It, it's more than him.
1: I don't, I, I don't necessarily put the blame on him kind of the way you articulated it, but I do put the blame on him where he is paired with Anthony Davis as the focal point of this team, obviously so, and that results in you having to be a leader and an example, and if you're not running the floor, why should the other players want to? And so that's where I feel like if he wants the team and he sees the team having a problem there and he wants to fix that, then he has to be the one that starts doing it. So that that's kind of where I see it being... DeMarcus's issue is if he wants the team to start being better on the defensive end of the floor and he looks at the stats and he sees why they're not doing well. And, and from my estimation, that's because they do not run the floor. Well, then he's going to have to start doing that and lead by example. Yep. Pausing one moment for station identification. You are listening to the bird rights NBA podcast on nothing but net
0: network here on dash radio. Um, I do want to bring up, uh, just because we we had a couple of issues in, in the most recent game against the Wizards with injuries. Um, Davis had missed, I think maybe one of the previous games. I know he missed the Houston game, and there was some question as to whether or not he was going to be playing. And then he came out, he had that wrap on his hand uh, in the second half. Generally, I mean, he was great. He had great numbers. I think he had about 38 points at 37 points. Um, so, you know, he makes an injury look like it's just a, just a mosquito bite or something. And then, uh, and then Rondo looked like he, uh, hit knees with somebody or had some other kind of knee issue and missed a lot of time. He honestly missed a lot of time when the Pelicans made their huge run to come back and, uh, and tie that game in the third quarter, um, is, you know, is this just the way it is as a Pelicans fan? Because it sure feels like it to me. I mean, it's just every game you kind of have to expect the worst in terms of, well, you know, today somebody else is going to get injured or AD is going to miss another game or two. Um, you know, Rondo, as important as he's been to the offense, um, you know, it it wouldn't be great to have him be missing time when he needs to be accustomed, you know, uh, accustomed, customating? Customating is not a word. Um, I don't think that's used a word. his teammate, no. Getting used to his teammates uh, for instance like drew and and uh, NAD and boogie um, you know how how worried are you about these lingering injury problems It, it just seems like you know it, it just seems like it's a every couple of day thing i I
1: understand the frustration of New Orleans, but at the same time I don't want to discredit some of the other teams that have dealt. With similar issues sure. this season in the Western Conference, you look at, at Paul Millsap in Denver, you look at Blake Griffin with the Clippers, Chris Paul with the Rockets, Kawhi with the Spurs. It, it's not just an us thing; it's an NBA thing. It's the something Jazz, that Ed Gobert missed a couple games. Gobert, I forgot to mention him. Uh, it, it's. I definitely don't want to discredit that there are other NBA teams, obviously, that deal with these same type issues. I do understand the frustration because it does feel that it's a normality at this point for, for New Orleans to have to deal with these things. Hopefully, we are going to climb over that hump and we're not going to have to deal with it in ways that it has happened in, in previous seasons, seasons, and that looks promising so far, but i don't see it as much of an issue as others do um what's really hurt in my opinion right now is is not having solomon hill i feel like we missed rondo once we added rondo back it was obvious that he was the player that drew holiday needed beside him and the stats proved that and now i feel like we're going to see when solomon hill works his way back into the lineup come around february how much his presence just as a decoy on offense and defensive presence it's going to help this team, and once we get that point to that point, if we can stay healthy, I'm not going to see the issues that we've had thus far in the season really impact the the overall outcome.
0: I've got a few numbers here um, that I got previous prior to the uh, Wizards game, and You're struggling I'm wondering. Today. Yeah, I know, man. I got I got something going on. I'm wondering if Solomon Hill is going to be able to help fix. Any of these defensive issues, as I mentioned, since Rajon Rondo returned, which was on November 13th, we've got the sixth rated offense. In the top nine offensive rating teams, we are the only one with a negative net rating. So that seems like a problem. That just (laughs) tells you that, you know, we've got a great offense, but we've got a terrible defense. We've got the worst in the league in points per 100 possessions. And we are near the bottom in three, in you know the four factors. We're near the bottom in the in three of the four, and the, those three are rebound percentage, ter- turnover percentage, and effective field goal percentage. That you know that being for the opponents. Can Solomon Hill come in and say rebound the ball? Can he come in and do something about turnovers? Can he come in and and cause the other team to miss shots? Do you see him? you know, maybe going out and being able to be that guy who can sort of be an enhanced version of what they want Dante Cunningham to be, sort of that bigish wing who can guard, you know, the LeBron types, the Kevin Durant's, the Kawhi Leonard's.
1: I think he's very capable of that, and I feel like where he was progressing prior to his hamstring injury, uh, he he was there, and that that was... Very much so, a realistic uh, expectation for him. But you, you never know when a guy misses this much time and this much basketball, yeah. where his head's at, where his rhythm is at. So it's not going to be something where he comes in and you know you get to say. And I'm not saying you specifically, but anyone that that aligns themselves with the opposite side to this argument that he can't help and he's not going to be that great when he comes back, and I don't know where he fits. I think he's necessary. I think he's critical. I just, I'm not going to say that he's going to be able to do it right away. That's probably but right. He, he can come in. I'm not gonna say I. I can't say he's going to help the the turnover issue necessarily, but I do think he can come in and be a defensive presence, make guys miss shots, rebound the basketball, and, and definitely, like you said, kind of be what we wished Dante would be able to do. And, and not to discredit Dante, but I feel like should Solomon come ha- come back and be able to do that, then Dante is going to be able to thrive more with the second unit, and he ha- he's. Ben he's consistent. Now where that level of consistency is at uh, differs at times, but he's he's definitely consistent. So I uh, overall the the theme right now for me is I'm not that worried. I've had conversations with our colleagues and other people where people seem to get really frustrated and I feel like everyone's been riding these highs and lows all season. But where did we expect this basketball team to be, Travis? I don't, I don't sure. remember what your win prediction was prior to the season. But mine was around forty-six wins. That's you know five games above five hundred. You're going to ride these highs and lows and wins and losses all season. You're you're going to lose you know a little under half of your games, to my estimation. So I mean, yeah. you can't get frustrated at that, especially when you're losing. Like I said earlier, you're losing. You let. You drop a game to Washington, which is a top three team in their conference. You let a game that you should have won against Golden State away, a game you should have won against Houston away, a game you should have won against Denver away. I mean, it's not awful. You have to stop letting those games slip away, and you have to close these games out. But still, it's it's not like we're going on this losing stretch against these abysmal teams. Now, the next stretch of games will tell us that when we play Orlando, Miami, and Brooklyn you know, where really where we're at right now, but it happens. That's the NBA season. If you follow the NBA closely at any point in time, that's what you're going to find out. And I just, I I don't read the headlines or or follow
0: the, you know, I don't ride the wave as much as, as other people do. Yeah. A couple of things about what you said. One is you would hope that with the way this team has been playing again, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm all about how this team is playing even in their losses. I think you can um, generate generate a lot of confidence from, you know, a game like the Houston game and the Denver game, the Golden State game, um, because you're doing a lot of the right things. And it seems like the best teams tend to have the same problems that the Pelicans are having. Um, A lot of the times it's a team like, say, Cleveland, I mean, Cleveland is on a, on a different plane from the Pelicans, but offense is what is, you know, there's a limited capacity of offensive talent in the NBA, and the Pelicans have a fairly big chunk of that. They need to pull things together defensively, and I think part of that comes from when you focus super hard on playing a team that you believe is either better than you or just as good as you. So maybe you play better in those games. Next is the turnover issue. I don't think I don't see the Pelicans turnover problems as a long-lasting uh malady that's going to affect this team well into the playoffs. I mean, maybe they maybe they do, maybe they don't. I think as they play more games together, they will eventually start cutting some of that stuff out. It's kind of like the idea of, you know, you uh, if we were a much younger team, like say the Lakers or something, you know you want to see what you really care about is the really, really great moments as long as the bad moments are like turnover related because you well, feel like that's stuff that you can get that you can get rid of, like a bad quarterback, maybe a young quarterback you,
1: you kind of touched on it when, when you mentioned a, a younger team, not that this is an old team, but when it comes to to legs and and depth down the stretch it's critical when when those turnovers and just touching on the washington game when you give up those five turnovers in the first quarter and you immediately put yourself in a 10 15 20 point deficit you're no longer necessarily competing with that team you're you're playing uphill you're playing catch up and, and it tires your entire roster because you're having to put in that extra uh, you're if you're putting in 110%, now you're having to put in 120 just to even attempt to tie the game up to be able to compete. Oh, sure. So yeah. so it's a whole different, you know, game at that point. That's not the Pelicans playing basketball. That's the Pelicans playing catch up. So you can't really put your estimation on, "Oh, look at where this team is at. Why don't you watch the film of this, you know, Washington Wizards loss. They're down by 25 points at one point. Yeah. You, you really can't do that and it's not an accurate representation of where the team is at if we're just you know, basing our thoughts off of recency.
0: I agree. I, I the Wizards game, I think, is just sort of a, a game I'd like to throw in the garbage. I, I think again, I think all the other more recent losses are more valuable for them to look at. And getting, uh, you know, maybe to widen this out to a big picture moment, I do think that this team is a playoff team. I think that they should, that they should, um, you know, I I don't know if I should say the word easily, but I think that they should um think of themselves as a playoff team and be confident that they are going to make the playoffs even when they lose games like they just did to the wizards because they're going to win their fair amount of games as you mentioned uh you know if you win 46 games i mean that's only four games over 500 i had them i think at the beginning of the year winning like 43 so i mean if you if you win more than 41 this year in the West, you're going to have a fair shot because you know you've had a number of teams that are just kind of sitting around 500 so far. And I, you know, I, as you mentioned, riding the wave of the ups and downs of a of a Pelicans fans. I mean, of a Pelicans fan, I, I do I do think that it's worth um, taking a deep breath when injuries happen, and it's worth taking a deep breath when. Uh, when you lose a game like you did to the Wizards, but generally, I think this team is just you know straight up a, a playoff contending team. I think that if they were to go on a run, which they haven't even really done yet, um, and could be in the bag at some point in the future, that maybe they roll off nine of ten or or twelve of fifteen or something, and and then now they find themselves looking at say a five seed or a four seed. Um, I'm not a believer in Minnesota. Uh, And I think that they're susceptible. I do think that Oklahoma city is better than they're playing, but at the same time they're they've had a lot of crappy games. Um, So I, you know, the West after maybe about the third team or so is kind of up for grabs. And I think they, um, you know, should definitely feel, they should feel secure. You know, you should feel good. You should feel like you're sitting by the fireplace. You're waiting for Santa to come down the chimney. Um. And that brings me to my next point, Trevor. How did you like that transition? Uh, I'll give it an 8.5. Santa's good or bad list. Okay. Little Jimmy, little Johnny. We're going there. Who's who's been good? Who's been bad? I've got three names for you Drew Holiday, Demarcus Cousins, Alvin Gentry. Good or bad? And I guess at that point, you're going to need a hot take because there's no gray. You know, there's no gray area for Santa. You either get the charcoal or you get that toy train. So who's getting the toy train? Who's getting the charcoal?
1: Can can I just put this in, in one big narrative? Drew Drew Holiday doesn't have a choice. Uh, but to start playing up to par, he had a stretch where it was great. And then we, and then like I just said, and we both said it, you kind of have to throw that Washington game out. So if we're doing that, Drew has been quite phenomenal as of lately. And he he doesn't have a choice, but to be because I feel as if Anthony and DeMarcus aren't, he doesn't have much time. DeMarcus got traded uh, once February comes around. It's been a year. So, you can't keep using the excuse, I don't know how to play. I don't know what to do. You just have to find your zone and get in. it. And I think he's starting to do that because he has no option. And that's the reason of that is because I think we're past the point where DeMarcus Cousins will not be traded prior to the trade deadline. Do you agree, Travis? You're saying, you are saying that he will not be traded? He will not be traded. Yeah, I agree. I think we're past that
0: point. So, Drew, this team is gets too st- good. I mean, you can't trade exactly. your exactly. best or second best player when you're going to make so, the playoffs.
1: Yeah, you were th- that question was there at the start of the season. Would they be put in a situation where they might have to do that? Sure. I think we're past that. So, at that point, you're saying you have to make the playoffs. Now, whether we're four, five, six, seven, or eight, I don't know. If you don't make the playoffs, it blows up. The entire franchise is gone, and I could go completely in depth of that. But and even if you make the playoffs, I don't think making the playoffs is enough either, travis.
0: If I would you, like to i would like I would love for them to avoid being the eight
1: if you get swept, yeah, wouldn't we all? If you get swept in the first round of the playoffs, I still think this entire thing blows up. if if the, if the first round of the playoffs, if the Pelicans make it, doesn't go six or seven games. You can give it up. Boogie will leave in free agency. He'll go play with Paul George and the Lakers when that happens. He'll go to Cleveland. He'll go somewhere. Anthony Davis... Uh, the Pelicans will be asked to find something to pair with Anthony Davis and won't be able to do it. Davis will ask for a trade by the next trade deadline. And by then, Demps and Gentry will be fired. So this team you said just earlier that they should feel good right now and they should but part of the problem has to be that there's a little anxiety of what's over the hill you know we're capable of getting there now we're just trying to find the consistency to get there and then what happens when we get there so it's this it's it's this weird slope and i know that i just went into left field but this the season is a lot more serious than the way we're taking it right now. And we're already taking it serious. We already know that the entire franchise is all in. And at this point, especially after what we're going to get to next, which is the Woj article that came out, it's the Pelicans are on the clock and not just because of what we thought was the DeMarcus Cousins situation. Now Anthony Davis is opening his mouth and putting them on the clock. But back, back to the Santa list, just to say on topic, Drew gets the train DeMarcus, he just doesn't, train. he doesn't get anything. He gets like, he, nothing. he's like stocking wow. stuffers. <laughs> you know, he, he started off as the MVP with the train and then he can't stop turning the ball over, which I have no problem. Critic- he plays phenomenal. He just turns the ball over too much. So he's going to get stocking stuffers. And, I can't give Gentry Cole, man. I'm a lot higher on Alvin Gentry and Dell Demps than most people are. Yes, you can point to everything bad that Dell Demps has done. And yes, you can say whatever you want to about Gentry. He's dealt with injuries. Every NBA coach does. He's dealt with a roster that he's something that no one in the NBA has really ever had to deal with. Whether you want to point any, and we've had this conversation before, any two pairings a pairing of two big men in the history of the NBA, no two big men have been put on the same team with the skill sets that these two have. And then when you consider what Gentry has to piece together with the supporting cast, it's not as if this is a a simple assignment and I'm, I, I'm throwing this name out. It has nothing to do with race or anything like that. But I feel like if if we just had the name, let's say John Calipari is our coach at at, at New Orleans I don't I don't think you're hearing that that narrative and and even if he had been here for three years I I, it's just something and you can tell me what you think Travis but it's just something about Alvin that that people give this kind of this bad connotation to and I don't really uh, agree with it I'm not that down on him what do you think Travis um
0: you know if I was forced to uh be giving out uh Santa's train or uh or coal i would probably give the trains to drew and demarcus and give coal to to gentry why um, i'm not well part of it is because there's no gray area i have to either choose train or you're right okay you coal. did
1: give me no gray area
0: yeah and you okay. and you went with the stocking stuffer idea, which i love by the way that's a that's thank a great you job by you but um you know i i think that what i pointed out earlier in terms of this team doesn't seem to get into anybody defensively um, i guess just has to go back to the well, coach what's i he don't supposed know to do
1: yeah i mean i mean you yeah, can't i, I can't it, blame him like you like some i don't remember who said it it possibly i'm not even going to drop his name somebody said it on tv some national B, you guy said it but he, you can't you shouldn't have to beg your players to play defense. You shouldn't have to beg them to put in the effort. You shouldn't have to beg DeMarcus run down the floor, get back yeah. on defense. You shouldn't have to beg Drew
0: go out there and they're be professionals. This.
1: You shouldn't professionals, have professionals, they're being paid
0: millions of dollars a year. They sh- they need to police themselves.
1: You can only code. Um, and I feel like that this situation goes to uh also other teams like OKC for example. I keep hearing that you know, Billy Donovan's got to do something. They have to have that meeting where you're one, you're two, and you're three. You don't know what, you know, Billy Donovan's saying behind closed doors. When those practices happen, you don't know if he's telling, hey, you need to do this, you need to do that, and then they go out on the court and do something completely different. And that's a whole entire different struggle for a a grown man in an NBA coach trying to be a leader than just the wins and losses, which that's all that matters. But there's all these different internal struggle, struggles such as that that he has to deal with, and that's not necessarily his fault or a product of him being a bad basketball
0: coach. Yeah, here's what I would say. I don't know who to blame this on, but here's my kind of analysis of the Pelicans' defense because I, it, it appears that that is, you know, at least by the numbers, that that is the problem. I mean, they literally have the worst defensive rating in the league since Rondo came back. What I see, and I I pointed this out earlier, what I see is that they don't get into anybody with their bodies. Like, there's not enough, like, this this sounds so simple, but, like, I don't see a defender from New Orleans bodying up a guy for the other team as that guy tries to get around a screen, and he makes it really difficult for him to do that. We just sort of let guys go on the paths that they want to and then hope that we can contest a shot or maybe somehow get a steal or anthony davis will come from the weak side and get a block shot. Block shots are great. I love block shots. They're fun to watch. They stop the other team from scoring, but you can't rely on that as being, you know, the main uh focal point of your defense. You have to prevent guys from even getting to the spots where they want to get. And I think that gentry would tell you that that's probably right. I mean, there other teams are getting the shots they want to because they're scoring the most points out of any you know opposing teams in the league. Um, and so I don't know who to blame that on. Do you say to Darren Ehrman, "Hey, you know, you have this terrific defensive reputation from your time in Boston. What's going on in New Orleans? Like, why can't you put it together with this talented group of guys? You got these two big guys. Maybe they don't." Maybe they don't mesh well in terms of trying to make a good defense. Maybe we really miss Solomon Hill more than we think. Maybe Rondo isn't quite as good as we want him to be defensively at the point. Maybe the bench isn't giving us anything. I mean, I don't know what Dante Cunningham does defensively. I don't know. Maybe we're... (laughs) I I just don't know what the answer is, but I I can tell you when I watched... For instance, I watched... It's funny you brought up OKC. I watched that OKC uh Philadelphia triple overtime game from earlier this week or maybe it was last week tightly contested there's guys bodying up on each other the entire time and i thought the, it was like a a game where you sort of had like white knuckles you, you know every possession was a struggle and when i watch a pelicans game it's not like that it's so much more free flowing which is really fun to watch like it's great like the the pelicans houston game which i keep mentioning is was a you know, five stars, two thumbs up, great television experience. But at, at a certain point, you've got to be able to stop somebody and it wasn't happening. Um, and they eventually ended up weighing that game because of that. It, what do you see when you watch us? Def- I think I've already asked you this, when you watch us defensively, but like, you know, is that a gentry thing? Is that somebody else? I mean, is there just nobody to blame? And we just don't have the right, I I just don't know. I'm going to change
1: my, my Santa's predictions. Not predictions, but I guess decisions. I'm going to give Drew Holiday the train. And Alvin gets nothing because I don't know if I should blame him. <laughs> yeah. And DeMarcus gets the coal
0: right. Because
1: your question is kind of what I answered earlier. And by that thought, I'm going back to DeMarcus should be the leader If he's kind of the alpha of this team, which we've seen he's taken over as, he should be running the floor, he should instill a defensive presence, he should see himself as enough of a leader to do that, and he's not. And so I'm very high on DeMarcus. I love DeMarcus as a person more than a lot of people know, being from the same town and seeing what he does. But I'm not going to let that bias my criticism and i feel like his turnovers and his essentially just laziness on the defensive end of the court when it comes to getting back in transition i I gotta give him the call. unlike my decision making during this podcast one thing that isn't changing is you listening to the bird rights nba podcast on nothing but net network here on dash radio
0: well that's a real flip-flop move of you um i'm flopping we're I'm moving modeled, on. I, we're going. Was, it,
1: was it, who was it, a Mason Plumley? Uh,
0: I don't know. What did he do? Did he flop?
1: You, you remember the, the Nuggets game where he just like tried to act like Boogie elbowed him and just fell <laughs> to the floor when he didn't get touched? Man, it's not like know. everybody does it. It was a Plumley. Who cares about the Plumleys?
0: Yeah. Um, all right. We're, wh- we're talking Woj article. I want you to yeah. go through your uh, your explanation, your breakdown of the Adrian Wojnarowski article all about Anthony Davis.
1: So uh, apparently it's the Anthony Davis is going to get traded article. Ridiculous. Yeah, I I have no idea and I'll break down why I do not see how anywhere in this article you can even try to reach and say that Anthony Davis is going to get traded. What I do hear is Anthony Davis is, like I said earlier, putting the New Orleans Pelicans on the clock. I've read that he takes it personal when he is not put into the conversation with Giannis and Porzingis and Joel Embiid and these different guys. And he kind of feels like he slipped away and that it's not fair almost. So he does take that personal. Uh, Something that the Bird writes, tweeted on their account, was that winning was mentioned 22 times in the article. And that is obviously very important to Anthony. He said that missing the playoffs, what, two seasons now? has felt like 20 years. DeMarcus has never had that feeling before. Um, he knows that the team, he he kind of said that, and obviously it can't be done this season, so this will probably be something that should DeMarcus come back and we try this again that they're going to push for, is that he said that it bothers him when you see certain teams like the Warriors and, and et cetera lose a player to injury and they're still able to win games. The Celtics lose Gordon. Yeah. The, you know, the Warriors lose Curry. The I mean, the Spurs lose Kawhi. Yeah. Uh, the Cavs don't have Isaiah, and they're still able to win games, and the Pelicans aren't able to do that, and it and it bothers him. And he knows that essentially the whole theme of the article was he knows people judge him by winning, and he hasn't been able to do that. And more so than that, it bothers him because – it seems as if the expectation for him is to win. If you look at Giannis, which I guess he's won. Porzingis hasn't won anything. Joel hasn't won anything. but And that kind of bothers him because he knows that his bar has been set a little higher, and rightfully so. And as a result of that, that has kind of shifted him out of the conversation. But one of the things, and obviously the, the team centered around the trade rumors, is the Celtics. And it's been that way for a while. And not that Anthony Davis can control this, but what he said, where I don't get how anyone strayed this, but he said, Del Demps approached him, told him that Boston was calling, and told him that nothing was going to happen. Well, Anthony Davis thought at the same time, you see what Boston did to Isaiah, and just, you know, he wasn't going to get traded and all of it. this Danny Ainge traded Isaiah the day he got back from his one-year wedding anniversary. That's how much Danny Ainge cared about how Isaiah Thomas' offseason was going. Isaiah had played through injury, through his sister's death, injured himself more to, to lead the Celtics to the Eastern Conference Finals, Yeah, and got traded away. And so it's a, a lack of loyalty there. Then, you, then he sees what happened to DeMarcus. Hey, you're not going to get traded. All-Star weekend. Hey, you just got traded. So he doesn't really, as as much, basically what I saw there is, no, when Dell Demps tells him you're not going to get traded, he doesn't trust him. But this is probably the one situation where he should. And he said at the end, it's not about the money. It's not about having fans. The most important thing is winning. And he said he wants to do it, and he wants to do it in New Orleans. So it wasn't, what I got from that was, why would you want to go to a place like Boston that did what they did to Isaiah as much as he wants to win and wants to be a contender. I took that out of it more than anything. And that he's learned that he can't trust anybody. So if he can build around where he's already the star player and he's already valued and can build around that
0: and win with a franchise, then he should do it. I think there's a couple of, I think there's a couple of bits of good news. Well, at least one Um, to me, the Western conference is a little bit in flux. Uh, and Anthony Davis might have himself positioned well with the Pelicans, assuming Demarcus Cousins and Drew Holiday stay with the team. Drew um, Holiday will stay, and in sure. yeah. my estimation
1: of Demarcus, unless Los Angeles puts up this huge offer and pitch, and depending on who they sign, or you know, any other team. DeMarcus so isn't really trying to lose that much more money. He's already lost 20 or $30 million by being traded to the Pelicans from Sacramento. Then the Pelicans can offer him the most money at a max contract, I think $180 million. No team in the league can match that. So by the end of this, if he chooses to leave New Orleans, he will probably have lost close to $40 million, and I don't think that's something he's trying to do. As much as people say it's not about the money, $40
0: million is a lot of money. Those are those are all great points, and I guess what I'm going to do is I'm just going to sort of uh, supplement that with the basketball side, which is you're looking at a struggling, essentially failing Memphis team, and that's a team that's been in the playoffs year after year. Um, The Lakers are on the are on the come up, maybe to kind of counter that. You don't know what's going to happen with Oklahoma City, the Spurs. I don't even know what to say about Spurs. I mean, at some point. I've I've mentioned this on this podcast before. Eventually, there is a world. There is a day at some point in the next, well, maybe it'll take 50 years. Maybe we shouldn't talk about Spurs. We should just <laughs> yeah, assume do they're always going to be a top three seed or something. But there's enough teams that go in and out of the playoffs. You know, what's going to happen with Portland? I mean, are they really good enough to see themselves as being anything better than, say, like a seven seed. Um, Minnesota's on their way up. But I I think New Orleans should feel like, again, they should feel like they're sitting by the fire. They got their cup of hot chocolate. They should feel very good about the next couple of years, in my opinion, if those key guys are there and they play the right amount of games. Because those guys are so good that we're going to win enough games to get in the playoffs. Um, And that's kind of the only thing that makes me – think that, you know, this is a team where AD is going to want to stick around and have guys uh build, you know, around him and he can be the superstar to lead this team to, you know, a Western Conference Finals or something. I, the interesting I think, thing I think about the Woj article is that I don't know and I, I I sort of doubt that AD has any desire um to go specifically to Boston. I mean, of course everybody wants to go to a winning team, but I mean, what is it about Boston that would be any different from him going to Oklahoma city or going to Miami or something or going anywhere in the East, essentially um, where he feels like he'd be even more comfortable in terms of winning games.
1: I, I think it's almost more than all of that. If, you know, I don't know how many players look at it this way nowadays, but if they, if DeMarcus and, or Anthony Davis go anywhere, 95% chance they're not number one. And here in New Orleans, it's not like it's one and two; it's one A and one B, and so neither of them have to be the second or third piece. You go to Boston once Gordon Hayward comes back; he's going to be looked at as the third option.
0: Anthony I don't Davis know about would that. be. I, I don't do. know about that. I think AD well, would immediately be the number one guy.
1: I disagree, but I—I I mean, talent-wise, well, no, I can't do Kyrie like that. I'm sorry. Let's not argue about that right now, but. Uh, My point is, is that it's bigger than that because it's legacy. If they can sit down and they honestly don't believe, hey, if we stay together, we can do something that the NBA has never seen before, will probably never see again, and do it as, like I said, 1A and 1B on this team, then I think that means a lot more to basketball in the grand scheme of things than Anthony Davis wanting to go, like you said, to Boston or OKC or DeMarcus, wanting to go play with a bunch of rookies and Paul George in Los Angeles. It's just, uh, to me, it would mean more to build on what they're doing now than to just leave it to go somewhere else and win as the second or third option. You're telling you're telling me. It, let's say the scenario is AD goes to Boston, Boogie the the Cavs trade for Boogie. You're telling me neither of them are higher. They're higher than the second option. Neither of them would be higher than the second second option. On I either think of AD. Those I
0: think AD would absolutely be the number one option in Boston. No, God. I mean, no. What do you th- so you're saying? I mean, I understand. I understand what Kyrie is doing, and and you know he's been spectacular obviously and I I know who he is.
1: Kyrie wouldn't let Anthony Davis be the number one option because he asked for a trade so he could be the number one option. So yeah, I don't think they would even I don't think the coach, the front office if they traded for Anthony Davis would even attempt to even on the side, on the download, be like, you're really the best player on the team. or anything. No, they traded for Kyrie to let him be the number one option, so I couldn't even see them trying to formulate the system that way. Hopefully I'll never have to deal with wrapping my brain around that, but I just yeah. don't feel like they're going to go many other places with a better chance to win and, and be the number one options on their team, I guess is what I'm saying.
0: What do you think, uh, maybe getting back to one of my earlier points when I – first started talking about this Pelicans team, what do you think about the Pelicans if we essentially have the same core pieces, let's say this year, next year, you know, the year after, I guess that gets us to 2020 or 2020, the the 2020-2021 season, uh, which is when AD becomes a free agent. What do you think happens, you know, these, the next three years? Assuming the, health, assuming if the roles pel- in health.
1: If the Pelicans don't add talent and make it to the Western Conference Finals within the next three years, Anthony Davis will either ask for a trade or leave in free agency. And yeah. I don't—that's not a hot take; that's a guarantee. Yeah. If they don't at least make it to the Western Conference Finals in the next three years by adding talent or. Changing coaches or doing whatever they feel like they have to do and and realize that goal. Anthony
0: Davis will not stay. Chris Paul, all over again. Yeah, I, I would. Worse. Yeah, uh, it's kind of in a lot of ways it would be worse. I would like to mention it. You know, there's there are many great and NBA All Star and All NBA type guys that have never been to Conference Finals. Obviously, notably is Chris Paul. Um, I,
1: I wonder why I'm sure you
0: could go down the list. I mean, you know, Gordon Hayward, a guy that we've talked about is another guy that's never made um, Western Conference files. There's any number of guys. Uh, do you think but, that that's really the difference maker for somebody like Anthony Davis?
1: It is the difference maker because look what Chris Paul did. He didn't couldn't do it in New Orleans he left to go to Los Angeles to do that and unfortunately because of injury couldn't he realized that time was over and he went to Houston to do that you look at gordon he realized he couldn't do that in utah left went to boston that's what we're waiting on anthony davis to do they they are all in there in the progressions that we are essentially uh, predicting Anthony Davis is going to get to if the Pelicans don't win. They, they're they already past that stage where, no, they haven't been able to do it yet, but they have taken the steps to put themselves in a better position. And I think, more than likely, if we're talking Chris Paul and Gordon Hayward, they're both going to do that this season. So that's essentially, with Anthony Davis being, what, 24? Uh, you know, by the time he's 27... Which is the next three years, he will yeah. make a step to do that if he d- can't do it in New Orleans. And that's what the players that we have men- we mentioned have already done. Why can't
0: New Orleans be the team to draw some other great, young, upcoming player to us to make us better? You know, why is, is uh, James Harden just that much more sociable? I mean, he's obviously like a winning player, he's probably the MVP and maybe over the cumulative of his last three years, he's been the best player. Um, You know, he's, he's the one who drew Chris Paul over to, uh, to Houston. Why can't Anthony Davis and DeMarcus cousins call up, you know, player X who's maybe in his first or second year right now and get him to come over in say a year or two.
1: Because they don't have, he knew that he was getting it. He was recruited by ball dominance, which was James Harden. He doesn't have a ball dominant big to deal with. Houston had the sixth man of the year, which is important. Bigs that can shoot threes that that don't have to thrive in the post and get in the way of, of driving or and whatnot. It was just a lot more simplicity for Chris Paul and a lot more stable roster past just stardom. Which quick aside. Led him there. Quick- Real yeah. quick
0: aside, how good is Clint Capella oh, phenomenal phenomenal i
1: I said that last season I thought I mean you know he's not top tier, but he's if you're looking damn, to th- he's damn near, darn if, near if, I'm saying that like if you put the kid on the Cavaliers. You know, you put, you put them on a team like that, then you're talking something serious, which he's not on a bad team in Houston, I'm just saying. But Travis, we are starting to cut it a little short on time. So let's go into previewing and predicting the Pelicans' next three games. Friday, the Pelicans play in Orlando against the Magic. Then they back-to-back, they play Miami on Saturday in Miami. And then they come home next Wednesday to play Brooklyn where are the wins at what do you
0: feel like the record's going to be over the next three? You know, I'm even going to extend it just a little bit, but not because of the amount of time um, that those games take up, but because the Nets game is the first of a three game home stretch where they play, you know, teams that aren't very good. So they, they've got that Orlando Miami back to back. I figured they probably beat Orlando who's been terrible and then lose the next night on a back to back at Miami. I like their chances against the Nets. I mean, you know, they've been better, obviously, but they're still, you know, they're not as good as the Pelicans. Like, the Pelicans should win that game. They then have another two games after that at home uh, where they can, you know, get comfortable. They've already had their, you know, their their Christmas Eve feast, their Christmas Day uh, snacks, and they're, they've played the Nets. And then they've got Dallas and the New York Knicks after that. And Dallas stinks, obviously. so. You'd hope um, that Dallas coming into to New Orleans, we can win that game. And then the Knicks, um, you know, Porzingis is one of the guys that Anthony Davis mentioned in that story. And so I wonder if he's got, um, maybe if Porzingis even read that story and says, hey, I need to get after Anthony Davis, because Anthony Davis obviously sees Porzingis as a target. Th- that um,
1: will definitely be a matchup. It's definitely personal. Hopefully, I yes. will be at both the Mavericks and the Knicks game. Oh, fun. So we'll hopefully bank all that. I definitely agree with what you said as far as the next three, win in Orlando, probably lose the next night on a back-to-back, and then win at home against Brooklyn. Then you kind of at past that point. You see what you're at because, if I'm not mistaken, that Dallas and Knicks is another back-to-back. So, you know, that the Knicks matchup with Porzingis might present a different problem there but now that we've done that let's let's do a rundown Travis I'm going to give you a quick rundown of our Christmas day games we probably won't record another podcast just me and you until after that so we'll kind of recap that once the games happen after christmas everybody enjoy their holidays but I'm going to give you every game and I just want you to tell me who you think's going to win and I will either agree or disagree because you're probably always going to be wrong. Oh, so my gosh. We'll Lord, start with Lord. the first game. It's the 76ers. Against the Knicks.
0: Um, you know, I love the Sixers even without Embiid. Uh, ben Simmons is a real treat to watch.
1: So you're going 76ers?
0: Yeah.
1: Mm, I think you're wrong. Yeah, it's in um, New York. It's in New York. Yeah, you're wrong. Uh, Cleveland against Golden State. That's Golden State. Come on. Come you're on. completely
0: wrong. Come um, on!
1: Washington at Boston.
0: Trevor. Trevor. My goodness. Uh, Well, the Celtics are the better team. I think they'll get up for that one. I'm not really that encouraged by the Wizards. I, I'm just not that high on them. I'm going to say you're right. Oh, I want—I
1: want to say you're wrong so bad, but you're right. I know um, you do. Houston at Oklahoma City. Houston by twenty. You're wrong. You're so Come wrong. on, you can't you're be wrong. serious.
0: You're wrong. Um, Minnesota
1: at the Los Angeles Lakers.
0: This could be a great game. This could be a double overtime game. Um, this, it will be an
1: awful game and a double overtime game because there will be no defense played. Lakers. I'm going to say Lakers pull it out. You're wrong. So you're right on one of these five games. Um, Unbelievable. I, I guess since you're so wrong, I'll just
0: let you close out this podcast. You talk, you're talking so much trash. I hope that the listener um, agrees with me. Not Write that I, I don't need, I don't Write need the, the affirmation. Down.
1: So the Come next on. episode, Travis doesn't get to lie and say that he got Come all these things
0: right. Because he's going to be one and four on Come Christmas on. Day. Oh so. my gosh. Tweet at us. You can find me. I'm at Trabe Ta, that's trabeta. That's T R A B E T A. Trevor, what's your uh, what's your Twitter account?
1: At Richie T M R. That's R I T C H I E T M R.
0: Um. Again, as Trevor noted, we're going to try to do this every Wednesday or Thursday, depending on news. Yeah, that's that's the breaking news. For those of you who saw on Twitter, that's the hashtag breaking news um i it's sort of dependent upon my schedule my work schedule isn't very good recently so it's kind of up in the air each week so we'll try to work something out every wednesday or thursday um trevor anything else to add Yes, Travis, I would just like to thank our listeners, our
1: Pelicans fans, for listening to the Bird Rights NBA podcast on Nothing But Net Network here on Dash Radio. If you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and follow us at the Bird Rights for the best New Orleans Pelicans coverage available. Your support has already landed us over 45,000 downloads, a spot here on the Dash, and a feature on the front page of Blog Talk Radio. Thank you, and happy holidays.
0: And now, a thought from Geico Motorcycle. It took 15 minutes to take a spirit animal quiz online. Please be the cheetah. Please be the cheetah. And learn your animal isn't the cheetah, but the far less appealing blobfish.
1: Oh, come on.
0: To add insult to injury, You could have used those 15 Blobfish minutes to switch your motorcycle insurance to GEICO. GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on motorcycle insurance. I can't believe it. That Gerald is presenting the quarterly budget report with finger puppets.
1: Look, here comes a 1.7% decrease in fixed overhead.
0: Hello, everybody. No, I can't believe how easy it was to save
1: hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with GEICO.
0: Who are you? The projected increase in organic Q3 revenue.
1: Hooray!
0: Believe it, GEICO could save you 15% or more on car insurance.